Well, good morning. Welcome to Highlight Church. Let's show some love to our first-time guest, Highlighters. We are stoked, fired up, excited that you're here today. And uh, we just believe that God has great things in store for you this morning. Um, And he wants to speak. We are in week three of a series entitled, I Promise. Um, Man, it's been good. Uh, Week two, we talked about how God promises to meet you where you are. That is his promise. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about something that I I feel is pretty relevant to all of us, uh, especially given that it is a cloudy day outside and it's cold. Uh, I think that today is going to be super encouraging for you. Um, Join me in John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 8. Uh, if you have your phone, it's even easier. You can just scroll your, uh, your Bible app, and uh, it'll be right there for you. If you need the table of contents, uh, that, that'll be your best friend there. Um, so we, we want to accommodate all people here. Uh, we didn't start this church five months ago with the assumption that everyone knew the Scripture, or that everyone is a, a genius, or, or that you just know this thing. We started this church for anybody. You can come in at any level in your relationship with God, whether you believe in him or not. You're welcome here to Highlight Church, and we're stoked to have you. Um, anyone watch Super Bowl 51? Any show of hands here? Okay, who was going for the Patriots? Look, I get it. Your team didn't make it, but were you going for the Patriots? All right, who was going for Atlanta? Show of hands. Wow. 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 Brady all day. Brady all day. Even though my, my main guy is uh, Aaron Rodgers, I was quite disappointed that they got beat by the Falcons and they made it that far. But uh, you have Atlanta going into the fourth quarter up 28 to 9. And uh, we just thought, you know, we, we knew Atlanta was going to take home the ring, we knew that they were going to be the Super Bowl champions. But it just didn't turn out that way. In the last 17 minutes, it was, I'm sorry, it was 28-3, actually, before they went into the fourth quarter. And they ended up losing the Super Bowl 34-28 to to the New England, New England Patriots. And uh, now Tom Brady may go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Is this true? Yep. Do we agree? Someone, someone's booing in the crowd, Tom Brady. You really don't care? Show of hands, you really don't care? Don't be rude. Oh, my goodness. We have a rude congregation this morning. How about this? You're up 28-3. You lose 34-28 in the Super Bowl. Hashtag epic fell. <laughs> Hashtag epic fell. Um, I mean, who's in the Falcons locker room celebrating this loss? No one. I heard that just about the entire city was just about shut down. Uh, Monday. People were not going to work. They're just going to rest up and celebrate this Super Bowl win. Uh, A lot of businesses lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it was just pure catastrophe. Why? 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 Well, we don't celebrate or commemorate failure. Um, we We don't always celebrate coming up short. 
you know, no one's in the Falcons locker room talking about it's a great job coming in second. I mean, sure, you're going to applaud their efforts for making it to the Super Bowl, but no one is, is, we're in church, no one is popping champagne, no one is having a party, no one is, no one is celebrating failure, no one is celebrating the fact that they lost. Now, New England, on the other hand, they're partying it up. Great job winning to New England, great job losing to the Falcons. You win some, you lose some, right? It's, it's a major uh, part of life. You, you do well, you do bad, you do in between. It's a major part of life. Um, but, but I believe that God, this morning in the I Promise series, he wants to ad- address failure. I think he wants to address areas of your life, areas of my life, where I've come up short and I failed. And I think the sad irony of it is, is that when we fail, a lot of times we get stuck in that place of failure, or at least certain areas of our lives, we get stuck in that area. And I want to address that. I want to, I want to encourage us today. Today is going to be extremely encouraging um, and, and I believe that God has never intended for you to end up in that area, in that place of failure. I don't think it's his, his goal. I don't think it's his MO. I don't, I don't think it's his plan for you to stop there. I believe you're supposed to sell to everything that God has for you. And you don't have to be bound. You don't have to be locked up. You don't have to be chained up. So today God says, I promise that failure isn't final. I promise that failure isn't final. Are we ready? John chapter 8. Hope the cops ain't coming to get me. Because I'm about to drop a bomb on Satan. Come on. Y'all see my stance. I look ready. John 8 verse 1 says this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was uh, back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and sat, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into something They could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. A lot of us use this a lot to justify our sin. Cast your first stone. You know, you can't can't judge me. Verse 8, it's a classic, especially in part of town where I'm from in Orlando. We, We use that a lot. We're wrong. We just need to admit we're wrong. So, Verse 8. Then he, stu- he stooped down again and wrote in the, t- in the dust. Verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. It's pretty 
impossible not to sin, but we're going to address that a little bit later, what Jesus was referring to there. Today, I want to give us three points of encouragement based on God's promise that failure is not final in your life. Three points of encouragement. Point number one, failure is inevitable. Failure is, in fact, inevitable. I remember in 2013, uh, we had a Bible study group um, coming to Kyra's house. We were engaged. We hadn't married yet. And um, there's about six people coming over. And as you know, you're a superhero. A lot of times when you're tearing down the church after service, we have pizza for you. Nothing has changed. This has been my same decision for about four years now. So I was going to get some Papa John's. And, um, and so I, I was riding up the street. It was about five minutes away. Um, I had never been to this particular location. It was in a storefront. And so I was driving, and the maps told me to make the right. But I, I didn't see it because I, I was going too fast, so I had to keep going, and I missed, the, I missed the turn into Papa John's. I had to go and make the U-turn so I could get back into, into the pizza shop. I went up. I made the U-turn, and when I made the U-turn, I approached a light. And uh, I, I don't know, something in my gut just told me this is not good, like, I'm about to get in trouble. This is just not good. I had on my seatbelt. I wasn't, I wasn't breaking the speed limit or anything. I pulled up to the light. A cop pulls up behind me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm trying not to play that card. You understand? Because this is a real nice neighborhood. I'm trying not to play the card, right? This isn't good. I, just, I think I just got this car about a year ago. Very nice car. I'm trying not to play that card. And so... Um, Pull up to the light. The light turns green. I pull off very slowly. And right before I turn into Papa John's, he puts his lights on. And he makes me turn. And Do we have 7-Elevens here in Maryland? Yeah, okay, all right. I haven't, I haven't been around much. 7-Elevens? Yeah, we do. Oh, my God, I'm tripping. So, yeah, he pulls me into, into 7-Eleven. My dad has trained me well. Show your hands, steering wheel. Address the officer, sir, officer, how can I help you? We did all the good stuff. He takes my stuff. He brings it back. He says, give me one more minute. He goes, he gets on his computer. He comes back and I says, sir, can I ask you, why did you pull me over? I wasn't breaking any laws here. And he said, I just ran your plate. I just ran your plate. But you don't have insurance. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have insurance because I, I was under my grandmother's insurance. She had just passed away. Not just passed away. It had been about two or three months. So um, he took my license. I had to call one of my friends to pick me up, and my license were suspended. I received what was called an SR-22. They revoke your license, they suspend your license, and you have to come up with like $1,200 in order to get everything back in order, money that we did not have. And it was, it was tough. It was a very tough season for us as we were trying to get married. I say all that to say this. I got caught. I got caught doing wrong. There, there was a failure. There was a moral failure. There was something there. There, there was a leak in my, in my character, at least for about two or three months. This woman gets caught in adultery. She gets caught in her wrong. She gets caught in her sin. She gets caught in her failure. 
And you have the religious leaders who, who, who captures her and presents her before Jesus Christ. And the question to me is always this, where was the man? Where was the man? Now, the religious leaders are 100% right. Deuteronomy 22, the law of the land, Moses writes, If a man and a woman are caught in adultery, you shall take both of them to the city gate and stone them to death. They are 100% right. They are on point. They are correct. They are right. Has anyone ever broken a law? Show of hands. I'm not going to ask who's been to jail in here, okay? We're not going to go there. <laughs> I know a few of y'all. Obviously, you're in good company. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote 20% of the Bible. He's the man. He's, he's our hero. But he said this in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. He says this, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. I love the Lord. I love his word. I love his promises. But there is another power within me that is at work, that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I.e., you will fail. You will disappoint. You will come up short. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt others. You're going to hurt your pastor. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt wives. You're going to hurt your husbands. Husbands, you're going to hurt your wives. People that are married, you're going to hurt those when you get married. People that are divorced, you're going to remain hurt. You're going to hurt others. You will, you're going to be late. You're going to miss a bill. You're going to get into debt. You will fail. I will fail. It's a part of who you are. Paul right now is talking about our carnality, our sin nature, something we can't help because it's simply built on the inside of us. And I'm so good. I'm so glad that Paul did not qualify or quantify his sin because knowing us, as great as Paul is, us amazing Christians, we would idolize his sin. And what we would say is that Paul dealt with this, but I don't. So I'm better. He just tells us in general, I deal with stuff. I'm the great apostle. Jesus loves me. But he was pretty much saying that you can do great things for God and still and somehow, some way be a failure. Because of God's grace and God's goodness. And we're going we're gonna to clean that up here. No matter how hard we try, we can never do right 24-7, 365. It is impossible for us to do right at all times. It's a part of who we are. I know this sounds very elementary, but I promise by by the end of of the next 32 minutes, you're going to be set free from the power of failure in your life. We got two more points. We're just getting started. So be encouraged. Paul also said this. He was able to identify something. He said in Romans uh, 3.23, he says this. He says that for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every, everyone, every, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious, glorious standard. 
uh, what standard is God measuring us by? At the, at the end times, when Jesus comes back and there's going to be a great two judgments, but the great white throne judgment and there's another judgment, we're going to be judged by two things, the word of God and what, what we've done, our actions and how we lived according to what this word says. And what the Bible just told us is that we, we don't, like, if this is the standard, the, the, the top of my, my skull is as high as we get. This is, this is the standard that's constantly following us around. The great part about this message is, is that it's not just about sin. We're going we're gonna to make it very practical, so be encouraged. I know it may be heavy right now. Oh, my God, it's about sin. <laughs> this is the standard, and he says we fell it at all times. This, this right here is, is our standard. This right here, God, the word of God, he wrote it, he made it up. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, and then you skip down to verse 14, the word became flesh. So they're presenting this woman to God, to the word of God, to the incarnate God. We're going to talk about how the, the Father, God, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit function differently. And had they presented the woman to God the Father, maybe the Pharisees would have been successful. I'm going ahead of my sermon now. But they presented the woman to the Savior. We're going to get there, but I just kind of leaped ahead. The, the standard, the standard, the standard. This, this is the standard. The word sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. So in essence, what Paul is saying is, is that we miss the mark all the time. When Adam missed the mark, when Eve missed the mark, we inherited what was called a sin nature. We carry it. David says this in Psalm 51. He says that in inequity was I woven, meaning like as soon as the dude with the tail hit the egg. As soon as you were conceived, someone's laughing. Y'all got to loosen up. You were woven in sin. You, you, you were born at a disadvantage. You were born to imperfect parents. I, I love it when people say that God has a plan for my life. And if we read Mark chapter 9, we also see that the enemy has a plan for your life. As a matter of fact, the enemy is so conniving and he's so wise as soon as God gives you a vision or a dream for a greater future, the enemy is already assigned to, to take that thing out. He's already assigned to destroy it. He has a plan for your life. And the way that he finds victory is through the standard. He attempts to hold you to the standard that you cannot live up to. So you have, number one, if you're taking notes, you have the sin of omission. The sin of omission is when you know what's right, but you do wrong anyway. You know what's right, but you do wrong anyway. We all, we all are guilty. The sin of commission is where you wake up and you're just bent and you're focused on doing wrong. You're focused on missing the standard. And then you have the sin nature where you just can't help do what's wrong. So therefore, you have the failure of omission where you know what to do, 
but you still just fail to do it. You know you have to be on time somewhere. You know you should be telling the truth. I know I should be doing this, but I don't. The failure of commission, when you have a test in three days, I'm not studying. You know you're supposed to be studying. Then you have the nature of failure, the failure nature where you just fail because you're infallible and you're not perfect. You fail because you're infallible and you're not perfect. We all, we all fail. We all, we all fall. We all, we all fail. We, we have failures. We, school, some of us want to go back to school or get into a certain program or pass a class or some of us haven't finished our degree. We, we've, in a sense, we've, we've fallen. We've fallen. Some of us, um, <laughs> ah, this is a good one, parenting, parenting. A lot of days you're doing very well. I want to encourage all my parents out there, but oh boy, you feel, come on now, you don't feel too successful, or is it the kids aren't too thankful. You, um, you've cultivated habits, both public and private habits easily turn into addictions, lapses of integrity. Men and women are both struggling at record rates with internet usage. We got kids in here, so I can't fully go there. Um, Some of you, you want to change your thought patterns. You want to overcome the the stinking thinking. You want to be secure. You want to trust your spouse. You, you want to trust this guy with the microphone. What is he even talking about up there? What is he saying? He's confusing me. These finances coming up short. You wonder why you're, you're scrapped. Because every time you get paid, you spend every dime. You have yet to put God first in your finances. To bring the tithe back to the storehouse. You have yet to set yourself on a budget. And until then, you will fail. We, <laughs> we will fail. Is, is, this, is this making sense so far? I got about two more. Don't worry. Relationships. Failure. Failure. You can't seem to get from around the, the, the wrong people in order to connect with the right people relationships, failure. And then some of you are business owners or you aspire to have a business and you just wonder why it won't all come come together because you're infallible. You are not perfect. You, you will fail. You don't have all the answers. You have limited resource. You, you, don't have, you don't have the vision. You want the vision, but you don't have the vision. You want the support, but you don't have the support. You, you're missing the mark, you're missing the, the standard. And this is the thing about it. The standard's right there. The standard's right there, and we all fail. We, we all fail, but what I've come to find out is that you have a choice. You can determine how you fall. When you fail, you can determine which way to fall. This woman was brought to Jesus, and she was placed before him. 
She was pushed towards him. She was pushed towards him. She was pushed towards him. The problem is this, and you need some friends that when you fail to, to, when you fail to hit the mark, you need some friends that are going to push you towards the standard. But the problem is, is that when we fail, we fall, we fall away. Some of us fall away. Some of us fall away and we stay stuck and the devil has his way and he has us up against the ropes and we lose our self-esteem and we lose our confidence and we lose his love and we lose out on his grace and we lose out on his plan and we fall away and we we stay in the habit we stay in the addiction we stay in the lack we we just stay because we fall away hey hey at least if you're gonna fail you need to start falling forward you need to go towards the standard you need to start crawling towards the standard my thought pattern may not be right right now but I'm gonna get my thoughts right my finances right these habits are gonna get kicked I'm gonna get the right relationships you have to start failing towards the standard if you're gonna fall fall forward don't fall back fall forward it's inevitable you're going to fall fall forward I was late. I was late all year last year. I finally got in trouble for it. Great. Start being on time. Man, I, 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 I thought that same way about that person, and it produced the same result. That's the third or fourth argument we've gotten into. Great. Change the thought about that person. Change the approach about that situation. Try it from a different angle. Fall forward. Fall forward. Fall forward. Man, I, I tried to take that test, and I, I missed it by 10 points. Well, you study two hours a day, a day, uh, two days before the test. Study sooner. Study longer. Study harder. Fall forward. I've been applying for the same job for over six months, and they won't call me back. Apply for a different job. Give them a call. Hustle for it. When we first start, started this church, um, I was telling my administrator the other day, I said, sometimes you, you got to take your net gain. Uh, when we first casted the vision about starting Highlight Church, we casted it to eight people. Um, no, seven. All except, all of them except one said no. And so we were stuck with me, Chris, and Kyra. And we asked another six. Now, we could have easily identified the first seven as a failure in our approach towards what God was calling us to. Because we, we missed the mark that first time. You're going to do it again. You're going to, you're going to, for my new Christians in here who are struggling with certain things, let, let, me, let me help you. You're going to do it again. When you gave your heart to Jesus, he didn't make you perfect. But he did promise to give you the strength to make progress in the process. So we fell forward and we got a brand new seven and we're here today. You got to fall forward. Point number two. Failure isn't final. Point number two, God can relate to your struggle. 
what? 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 Pastor? That doesn't even sound accurate. God can relate to your struggle. John 8, 6 says this. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, these uh, teachers of the law, Pharisees, they were leaders in the local community. What What was beginning to happen as Jesus's ministry was taking off was that they were losing members of their synagogue. And those members were starting to attend his ministry because his teachings were relevant, they were real, and they were finding life change. Miracles were, were occurring. Their lives were being changed. And so they were trying to kind of knock him off his rocker. They wanted to kill him, but it was too early. It was too soon. And so they wanted to have a religious debate. But Jesus was focused on resolving someone's struggle. They wanted to have a religious debate. Jesus was focused on resolving a struggle. Uh, I remember when we first moved here, Jaziel, our oldest son, broke his right ankle. And um, he, he got his cast. And that night before bed, he said, Daddy, have you ever broken your ankle? I said, no, I've, I've never broken my ankle. I've broken my, um, my thumb before. Never quite broken my ankle. And I've gotten the same eye severely injured three times over the past 10 years, each time playing basketball. My, my cornea, my, 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 the white part, always gets cut, the same eye for some reason. And so I, I, I understand uh, the experience of, of being broken, of having to heal. I understand the limitations. I can relate to, uh, to, to, to the struggle, son, but I've never specifically had a broken ankle. Never had a broken ankle. And Hebrews 4.15 says this, this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus endured the same struggles that you endure. He endured mixed home. He had a surrogate stepfather, Joseph. He endured being sick on the cross. He, he endured what it means to struggle with finances. He, he endured what it means to struggle with certain temptations. He endured what it means to lust after someone, even though he did not lust. He, he endured it all. He, he endured the same things that you endure, the same temptations, the same trials, the same struggles. The Bible says that Jesus has endured. He understands the struggle that you're enduring, yet he was without sin. So he understands where this girl is. We have here in the verse, I think it's Philippians. Pop that verse up for me because I, I wasn't gonna teach this verse, but I need to teach it. It's Philippians 2, 6, 8. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. We are slaves. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So even though he was God, he did not think equality with God. Why? Because he had to leave his throne. He had to get in this flesh suit. 
He had to struggle like you struggle. He had to go through what you go through. He had to understand what it is that we are burdened with. He had to understand what it means to be single, but potentially have the desire to be married, even though God did not call him to be married. He had to understand these things in order to qualify to be your savior. God can relate. What did we say earlier? John 1, the word was God. God was the word, was with God, became flesh. This just tells you right here, if you ever need proof that Jesus is God, Philippians 2, 6 through 8 has your answer. But he did not think equality to God and he became a servant so that he could qualify to be your savior when you're in the middle of your struggle. He wants to give you triumph over your trouble, over your failure. That's the God that we serve, the loving God, the the living God, the all-powerful God. We talked about him last week. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought you have. He sees you at 2 a.m. in front of that computer. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. The God who qualifies as Savior, like I said earlier, they present it her to the Son. So you have the Godhead, if you're still taking notes. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one unit, kind of like me and my wife. We are the Reddings. We are one, but we serve different functions in our home. God the Father is judge. He's a lot of other things, but he's judge. If they'd have brought this woman to God the Father, they would have been successful. They brought this woman to God the Son, His function is Savior and Messiah. He is able to save you in every area of your life. The reason why you have not overcome that proclivity is because you have not given it to him fully. It's possible to make him your Lord and your Savior, but still withhold certain parts of your life from him. Jesus, come on into my house, but don't go to that closet. Jesus, come on to my house, but don't go in that bedroom. Jesus, come on into my house, but I don't want you cooking. Jesus, come on into my life, but I don't want you touching my wallet. It is possible. It is possible. But when Jesus comes in, he wants to take it all. He wants lordship over all of it. So they present her to the Savior. And he stoops down in the dust. He says, I am in the flesh suit. To dust you were. To dust you will return is what the the scripture says. When we die, we will return to the dust. And he stoops down to meet her in the middle of her struggle. In the middle of her failure. He stoops down to meet her right there. Right there. What, what, What is that right there for you? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it self-esteem? Is it a failed test that you, you've taken that thing three times? And you, is, it, is it your marriage? Is it being just upset about having young kids and they're just so tough and you're, you're, you're done? You kind of wish you could just send them off. Like, you have a right there. It's not always as black and white as, it's not always extreme. It can be very gray, but it can be the very thing that's keeping you. What is your right there? God, God wants to meet you right there, and he wants to save you from where you are. 
today, I, I, we got 12 minutes left. We're doing a great job on timing. Today, you need to determine in your heart, whatever area you're struggling or failing in, you're going to leave it here in this church. And we're going to bury it. And you're going to leave out of here differently than what you came in. Because Jesus says, I understand, I can relate, but I've never sinned. So that's what qualifies me to save you, to give you the power, to give you the liberty, to give you purpose in that area. If it, if it is something as tangible as finances, I have a plan. It's going to take discipline, but I have a plan. I, I am the God who provides. I actually want to see you have financial margin in your life. But are you willing to sit your butt down on a Friday and stop spending all your money so that in a year or two, you can never have to worry about money again? I'm just kind of throwing out an example. I am the God who saves because I can relate. But like we said last week, I'll meet you where you are, but I promise not to leave you where you are. So he stooped down in the dust. I love it because I'm preaching stuff that's not even in my notes. My wife tells me all the time, baby, just preach. And I need to start doing that because these notes often hold me back. <laughs> Hebrews 4.16, here I go, says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and, he, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Because he can relate, we can approach him. It contradicts the very thing that most of us were taught about God growing up. If I did this, I can't approach him. You're talking about God the Father. But if you did that, that thing is the very thing that qualifies you to approach him. So she's thrown at the feet of a gracious God. Jesus meets her in her struggle and he related to it, and he was going to help her get through it. Point number three. Y'all all right out there? Failure is a doorway to a better way. Failure is a doorway to a better way. It says this, John 8, 7 through 11, says that they kept demanding an answer. So he stooped again and said, all right, but let the one who has never failed throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. How many of us need a, a better way of accomplishing things? Great. For those of you that don't, I'm looking at Jesus. Who didn't raise your hands? You're Jesus incarnate. So he writes in the dust. We don't know because the Bible isn't, this is just cool stuff. We don't know what he wrote. It's my personal belief that he started to write all of their sins in the dust. And that 
as they were looking down, what in the world is he doing? As they were looking down and they saw it, the oldest guy who was 85 years old was like, because I mean, if he keeps writing, this isn't going to stop with me. 20 year old is like, oh, he ain't hit me yet. Then they stood there and they all, they dropped their stones. So stone is nothing but heart and dust, heart and dirt, heart and humanity. Stones represent a few things. Number one, heart and humanity, but deeper than that, it represents a heart and heart. The Bible describes two types of hearts, the heart of the flesh, a heart that will receive from God's word, and a heart of stone. Those that when God is speaking, your heart is too hard to receive. So they dropped their stones, but they didn't stay for the opportunity to get set free. Jesus was even loving them in this moment, saying, hey, he who has not sinned cast the first stone. But I know you all have sinned. What I want to do is use this as an opportunity for you to have a new start in a better way. They dropped their stones and they backed out. We all want a better way, but we don't want to fail. You have to fail. You have to miss the mark. It's okay to miss the mark. It's okay to, 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 to be late. It's okay to have the argument. It's okay, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to be upset. It, it, it is okay to be single. It, it's whatever your thing is, it's okay to miss the mark. It's okay to get fired. It's okay. Pastor, are you saying it's okay to do wrong? No, I'm saying it's okay to be human. You have to fail because if you don't, it's okay. It's okay to experience, I love this one, to experience unfulfilled expectations because this is the expectation. This is the experience. Within the gap, you're either going to have frustration, bitterness, you're going to be upset, you're going to make other mistakes, you're going you're to go back into those habits, or you have the opportunity to find a better way. And within that gap, you need to grow in your faith, you need to grow in your wisdom, you need to grow in your trust, you need to grow in your, uh-oh, we're at the expectation. We're at the expectation. The experience and the expectation meet. But, but these guys were so frustrated that they, 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 they wanted to be the ones that set and lived up to the standards. And they missed, they, they missed what they expected to gain from presenting someone to Jesus Christ. And because she was humble and she understood her imperfection, her sin and her failure, she qualified. And not only did she didn't even have an expectation, which means Jesus over, overcame her expectation. She expected to die that day because she was in a posture where she realized and understood that it was okay to fall. But as long as I fall forward at his feet, I have to fall forward at his feet. I have to fall forward at his feet. Thomas Edison had 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. 
his teachers told him that you were too stupid to learn anything. Thomas put it this way. He said, um, I didn't have 1,000 unsuccessful attempts. It was 1,000 tries at getting it right. Walt Disney was told to him, he had a, about three failed businesses. He was told that, dude, you lack imagination and you have no good ideas. This lady, in 1992, she moved to Portugal. We got about three and a half minutes, good timing, to teach English where she met a man, married, and had a daughter. In 1993, her marriage ended in divorce, and she moved to uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, to be closer to her sister. At that time, she had three chapters of Harry Potter in her suitcase. Rowling saw herself as a failure at the time. She was jobless, divorced, penniless, and with a a dependent child. She suffered through bouts of depression, eventually signing up for government-assisted welfare. It was a difficult time in her life, but she pushed through the failures. I just want to minister to our marriages right now. Provide a, a, a context where your significant other can push through the failure. Meet them in that place. They, they, they need that from you. Not to zone out the singles. We're going to have a relationship series one day in the future. But in 1995, all 12 major publishers rejected the Harry Potter script. But it was a year later, a small publishing house, Bloomsbury, accepted it and extended a very small 1,500-euro advance. In 1997, the book was published with only 1,000 copies 500 of which went to the library. And today, J.K. Rawlings, J.K. Rowling has sold more than 400 million copies of her books and is considered to be the most successful author in the United Kingdom. What or who has dumped on your dreams? What or who has dumped on your expectations? Who has said that you won't be more than your failure? Maybe it's not a physical person. Maybe it is the devil. Maybe it is yourself. But these three people understood that failure was a part of their process. Failure was the way to a better way. Failure was the doorway to a greater future. You don't have to be bound by that. So Jesus tells this woman, go and sin no more. What is he saying? I've released you. I take on your failure. I take on your sin. So don't go and not sin anymore. You're going to sin. This phrase means go and leave your life of sin. Turn, repent, And go and be everything that I've called you and I've ever created you to be. I promise that even though your failure is inevitable, I can relate. And your failure is not final. Your failure is not final. If this word blessed you, let's give it a hand clap. If the Lord spoke to you today. bow our heads. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our hearts this morning.
I feel as though on this cloudy day, you may have came in here burdened. You may have a lot of different things on your heart, maybe condemning yourself, but Jesus wants to speak to you right now. He wants to tell you that he's lifted up the failure. He's lifted the power of sin in your life. He's lifted the power of sickness and illness in your life. I just want to pray over you this morning. Father, we love you and we praise you. God, thank you for your promise that our failure isn't final. Thank you, Jesus, for every soul. Thank you for every child, every leader, every parent, every employee and employer. God, I ask that you would bless. I ask that you would meet everyone in this room right where they are. God, I ask that you would meet them in the place of failure. And that you would let them know that you've turned that place into a place of favor. So God, we receive your love, God. We receive your promise. We receive your power. Help us right now, Lord, to leave our unmet expectations, our frustrations, our unhealthy habits, and our thought processes here at your feet this morning. And give us the grace to receive your power and a new beginning. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.